0: All right, welcome to the Monday Minute, guys. This is the episodes where we answer your listener questions. I'm sitting across the mic from Steve, which is rare. We're not on a Zoom call.
1: Yeah, that's uh, maybe, I don't know, only a handful of times we've able to do this.
0: <laughs> I think the last time we did it, we were in a truck driving oh, yeah. for show season. but Got distracted by sheep. <laughs> yeah, I'm out in Boise a bit, so um, we've been having a good time, getting some work done, having some fun, and now recording this. But it's not Monday, it's... Tuesday after the 4th of July. So, I hope you guys had a good holiday weekend and a great 4th yesterday on Monday. Um, 4th of July makes me obviously think of service and just wanted to remind all of you service members out there, both uh, military as well as law enforcement and other professional first responders, that we do have a discount through EXO every day. So, if that's something you're interested in and haven't yet been set up for, just send us an email with any proof of service or proof of employment. We're not picky there. And we'd be glad to set you up with a discount for any orders. Um, Man, Steve, it's uh, now that it's July 4th, that's when everything gets really real. It's less than 60 days until September. So it's gonna be a whirlwind to get there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> kind of like a mini panic attack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh cr- I did, literally just told you 15 minutes ago. I wish we had three more months. Yeah, uh, just a lot of a lot of work to be done behind the scenes, and then I'm, you know, basically Leading 30 days out sheep. from going to Alaska for sheep, and it just no matter how prepared I think I am, it always sneaks up on you.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of. Uh, Sneaking up, there's still time left to get some training in. We're going to go on a hike later today. But to kick things off with a listener question, we had a question about leaving the weight, the training weight that you're using, in your pack. And so let's dive into this listener question quick. Hey there, guys. This is Brian from Tahoe City, California. My question's about uh, pack training, uh, specifically leaving weighted materials in the pack. Um, so you can just grab and go when you're going to go on your training hikes. Um, does that have any negative effect on the pack, leaving that in there? And, um, is it negative to kind of leave that
1: pack hanging up? So it's off the garage floor, uh, with the weighted material in there, i think, thinking about 40 or 50 pounds worth of material, um, leaving that in there for, uh, you know, week or so, or, um, just over a period of time. Thanks for your answers and thanks for the show.
0: All right, Steve, so leaving a pack with training weight in it, um, something you do all the time?
1: Yeah, yeah. The only thing you don't want to do is just set it suspension side down so that the shoulder harness and the belt foam, lumbar foam, is getting compressed. If I have weight in it, I'm just going to put it face down so the bag is in contact with the ground and the harness is facing up. The only other thing that comes to mind, too, is just be careful. Foam If you leave it in a car on a 100 degree day and you have the foam like compressed, it will kind of do what's known as heat setting where it'll it'll kind of get so hot that it'll form to the shape that it's, you know, if it's like the belt's folded in half or something like that, it'll uh, kind of form to that shape and and take a while to recover. So just be mindful that the harness uh, hip belt foam, lumbar foam isn't compressed and you should be just fine. I do it all the time cool um
0: he mentioned hanging it in a garage any advantages to hanging it versus what you said of like weight down or that's not really going to give you any benefit
1: i would hang it from the handle on
0: the that's frame On
1: there, on the frame but really i think that's unnecessary you could also just if you've got weight in it like set it you know stand it up and lean it against the wall where again where the the suspension is facing out and the bag's contacting the wall that'd be another good way to do it uh, if you wanted to have it take up less space.
0: Yeah. Um, the only other thing that comes to mind, um, for that too, is we're talking about setting the bag side down or the weight side down. It's kind of another advantage of what I do a lot is have my frame set up with my crib load panel for training weight. And that way, as you are setting the weight side or the bag side down, your bag's actually not there. And specifically, I'll just often keep that in the back of my truck and so just to keep that bag from being um, under abrasion for example you know if I have 70 pounds in my pack and throw it in the back of the truck and it's rubbing against the bed liner and sliding around that could cause some abrasion on the bag if you're using it but I often just run the frame in the crib load panel for training so that's another thing to keep in mind if you are setting weight down you do have the bag um, is just keep in mind what surface that's in contact with. Getting to most of the questions uh, aside from that one today, Steve, we wanted to kind of talk a bit about the death hike. Um, it's funny that it already feels like a long time ago, but it was just a little like a week and a half ago. Uh, but we mentioned some listener questions and that we would touch on some of the gear topics um, from the death hike. So, You know, I'll kind of categorize some of the gear questions, for example, um, but to mention some other questions that came up from listeners first, one guy said, I listened to the Death Hike recap from Alaska today. I just want to know, how did anyone run with a pack full of gear on their back? I think in reference to talking, we told about Travis and Dan and Dione doing those final few miles and actually running with a pack.
1: A well-designed pack? (laughs) uh, i mean really if you you uh you know the waist belt doesn't need to get much tighter but you just really tighten up the shoulder harness and load lifters you know to a point where i wouldn't want to hike with it that way but that's the only way to keep the weight from bouncing around and it's it's doable you have to run with kind of a different stride different gait but certainly possible to do for a few miles
0: yeah and how the weight in the in this case obviously it's just gear weight it's not added weight but how that is secured so just keeping everything um snug with the compression straps keeping that load stabilized is just going to make a big difference and the you know at this point those guys are probably carrying uh sub right probably under 30 pounds Uh, we got through some of our food so they're in the you know 25 to 30 pound range depending on how much water they had so it wasn't significant weight by any means Um, all right. So another one that came up, um, this guy said he was reading through the gear list that I had posted for the death hike. He was wondering why I chose to use a pack hip holster for my sidearm. Uh, he said he's trying to decide between a chest mounted holster on a bino harness versus a pack holster on the hip belt. Uh, he said that everyone he talks to says to go with a chest holster because your sidearm will always be with you when you take your pack off. Uh, But his sidearm is heavy, and he had concerns about that weight hanging from a chest holster. So he asked if I had any experience using a chest holster, and again, why specifically I chose a pack holster for the death hike. Yeah, his point's super valid. Um, Obviously, if you're running a holster and have your sidearm on your pack, you take your pack off, uh, now that sidearm is not on you, When I'm hunting in Alaska and carrying a sidearm in brown bear or grizzly bear country, I do prefer a chest holster. Uh, That's what I've done for all of our trips to Kodiak, for example, so that it is always on me. Um, Even while you're breaking down an animal, for example, it's right there. I just, they're relatively comfortable. I don't find them to be as comfortable as having the holster on your pack. And so for something like the Death Hike, I was seeking ultimate comfort i knew i was going to be doing long long miles and already facing um, things that were causing discomfort so i wanted to go with both a smaller sidearm and then keep it on the pack just because it would be more comfortable and even though we were in grizzly bear country i wasn't super concerned um being that we were in larger groups for the most, for most of the time and also with other guys who had sidearms or protection. So I was comfortable making the decision to go with a small um, handgun on the pack, knowing for this specific scenario uh, what the potential downsides were. But if I were going on just a hunt in brown bear or grizzly bear country, most likely I would be choosing a chest holster. For the pack, I run the ivory holsters, um, and then for my chest holster, I run a holster from Razco gear under my FHF gear banner harness. I don't think you've ever run the chest setup, have you, Steve? I have not. Yeah.
1: It just looks uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's very practical and, and makes a lot of sense, uh, always having quick access to it. Yeah. But I haven't ran one. Got it.
0: Um... A specific gear question that came through, someone asked about, uh, I think based on one of the photos we had shared, uh, what bivvy I was running, and then also they had mentioned they heard you uh, ran a bivvy as well, Steve. They were asking about specifics there. I was running the Enlightened Equipment bivvy. It's called the Recon bivvy. That's what was in the photo, if you saw that. Uh, unfortunately, it's discontinued. The closest item out there would be the Catabatic Gear Pinion Bivy, very similar in design and materials. Um, I didn't pay attention to what you were running, Steve. Old Jimmys, yeah, one of your Jimmy's protos. Top, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Again, they don't exist anymore. I need to start using the Catabatic one just because.
0: I know. I need it, to pick one up. I
1: can say, hey, I've. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm using, and it works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, There were, again, going back to gear questions, um, to categorize things that came through more generally, there were a a lot of questions on shelters. Uh, As we mentioned, Steve and I both used bivvies, um, had tarp options. If the weather looked like it was going to be the case, but both nights uh, I just slept under the stars, we didn't use a tarp. A lot of the other guys, it was actually funny, um, on... Prior year's death hikes, Uh, I was running the Gossamer Gear, the one, and I've also used that a ton for hunting and a lot of the death hike guys picked those up. So there was, I don't know, six of those, I think, on the death hike this year. Um, I don't think there's any other guys running bivvies. And then you just had everything from like a standard MSR Hubba tent. You did want something with some bug netting for the bugs up there. Um, but shelters were pretty varied. Um, the Gossamer gear, the one shelter was probably the primary one out of everybody. Um, but there was a lot of different choices made there. We, of course, Steve had some questions on footwear. I think you mentioned in the last episode, you ran speed crosses for the whole thing, right? Yep. Yeah, I did that. Uh, or you did that. I ran the Hanwag Makra treks and I, you know, we, we touched on it, but. For this death hike, you see a lot of variety um, and shelters as you do for boots. And again, a lot of these guys on the hike have experience on other death hikes and clearly a ton of days in the field for hunts. And it's just guys figure out what works for them. And as we said before, there was less issues on this death hike simply because guys have more experience and are able to make more informed decisions. Um, so boots, again, everything from speed crosses to my Hanwags to guys running Crispies. Um, some guys had full leather boots. Um, I think there was a guy in ultras, right? So you really had the spectrum on, on what footwear was used. Steve, anything specific on clothing? We had quite a few questions on clothing for the Death Hike.
1: Oh, uh, just sun hoodie. That's the only critical piece. Yeah. Uh, uh, Patagonia, I think... What do they call it? Their capoline sun hoodie. I can't remember I don't know the specific name of the of the piece, but a, a thin light hoodie that um, you spend 90% of the day with your sleeves all the way extended out in the hood on. That Something we certainly learned like you in a short, like one hour long. Yeah. You want to hike in a tank top, right? Yeah. That's going to be the coolest. But when you're spending 18 hours in the sun, the key is just keeping the sun off your skin. And uh, those hoodies are just fantastic. I, Um, I love them it's it's probably um, one of the better pieces that in the last I'd say three four years that I've incorporated just into my hunting not alone just these types of hikes but I always have one with me on an early season hunt when I know it's going to be warm it's uh, they're pretty sweet pieces
0: yeah yeah the outdoor research echo hoodie is what I've used on uh, up until this death hike probably the three or four prior Uh, it's a synthetic ultralight sun hoodie This year I ran um, Sitka's Core Lightweight Hoodie. Uh, The main advantage there was just that it also added a zipper, um, which my other options didn't have. I did like that. I did like it. It's a nice deep zipper. Um, There wasn't, you know, I didn't have it down a ton, but on climbs for sure, it just adds that extra little bit of ventilation, which is nice. And especially like that day one climb, we started, as we said, in the heat of the day. Uh, full sun, especially when it was brushy and extra humid. Um, I've certainly taken, taken advantage of it. And part of that too is me doing some testing um, for my goat hunt and just planning on using more synthetics on that hunt specifically. So I've just been looking at more and more options. Um, and we noticed that, you know, even on this trip, that being in the coastal regions of Alaska, stuff just doesn't dry Um like it does in here in Idaho, for example. So the the quick drying aspects of synthetic definitely have some benefits um, in those regards. And uh, yeah, it was a great piece for sure. Um, I don't know that, you know, I was just trying to think through for other guys' clothing. The sun hoodies are popular. Uh, a couple <laughs> Steve, we were at the lodge getting ready to pack up, a couple of the guys had the... Um, shoot, what's those first slide pants? Uh, F- corget Fount- foundries
1: Fountry. yeah way too hot
0: yeah we we've hunted in those pants uh, and actually love those pants from first light but i asked a couple of guys mike are you seriously wearing those because for us we've talked about for hunting even not even a super strenuous death hike but i mean it has to be pretty dang chilly and uh i don't know i both those guys ended up changing to lighter pants and i i think would fully say that they're glad they did it um but for something like this, and I'm even thinking of early season archery, like you just don't need much for pants. I just tend to stay warm um, with really light pants, and especially for something like the death hike, much less an early season hunt. I
1: think that is something that I've been doing more recently is paying attention to, you're going to get wet, right, on a hunt, on a hike like this, with wet brush and stuff like that. What's more important to me is not... How warm it is is how quick it can dry.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's something that's I've point.
1: been thinking. Like even this is applied to to my thought process on shoes here just like the last few years is I want thin synthetic materials that this, the speed crosses, for example, on the hike worked fantastic. I was one of the only guys I'm aware of. I just walked right through every creek where I didn't even bother. There was one section I put on my Crocs, but I just walked through the creek. I packed – instead of packing one or two extra pairs of socks, I packed three and uh, whenever we got to a spot where i knew we were officially done walking through the creeks pull in pull the shoe off pull the insole out i would uh, i should have packed an extra insole it made my life even easier but i'd wring out the insole put a dry pair of socks on and it was as if i'd never walked through the creek it worked out really really well same thing applies to thin pants thin shirt uh, anything that's going to dry quickly just going to make your life easier it, it was tricky up there though the the being right off the ocean, the humidity things took a lot longer to dry than, than I'm used to. Sometimes like the bottom of your pant legs just never really fully dried out. But mm-hmm. It's uh, something, yeah, just been doing the last few years. I had the same thought process with rain gear. Everyone was asking we're going to pack rain gear. I'm like, Well, not unless the forecast really calls for it, but even if it does we're moving all day long. No matter what, I'm not wearing rain gear because it, it would just be sweating profusely inside of it. So it's have a really thin shirt on hike you're going to stay plenty warm it wasn't like we were dealing with cold temperatures and then when you stop and the rain stops you you put on something dry and then throw that other shirt off the back of your pack so it dries out uh, it's definitely a good strategy to uh, employ when the temperatures allow it and you know, i think when you're when you're looking at a low of 40 and up it's certain something certainly you can do
0: so not only did you not take your shoes off much you kept your pants on when we did the deep creek crossing yeah what were your thoughts there
1: i had thin pants on that were gonna dry <laughs> fast like it wasn't an issue uh, it wasn't an issue at all yeah
0: yeah how like once we started hiking if you crossed that how long did it take to feel like you were remotely dry do you think did you even pay attention In
1: 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah, it did it, it dries fast we were still if you remember right after that big creek crossing, we were chest deep and wet grass yeah. for a while. So it was like by the time we got through all that, we had a few other creek crossings. But once we started doing that big climb where we were officially out of all that, it wasn't – if anything, it's refreshing. I think it's – you don't want to get wet because it's uncomfortable for a little bit. But it's it's really not a big deal.
0: Hmm. Uh, so we did have a question about rain gear. We just touched on it. Didn't pack it. What about the uh, the clothing we weren't wearing? So, like, what did you pack for sleeping? Did you have, like, a dry layer? Or what did you pack for insulation for cooler temps at night?
1: Yeah, I just of had uh, the Patagonia Kaplan sun hoodie I was wearing. Then I had that cool... Um,
0: K-U-H-L, K-U-H-L cool. K-U-H-L
1: cool air cool hoodie, which is another piece I, I really, really like. And then I had the... Uh, Outdoor Vitals hoodie that I wore last year on Kodiak. And I don't they're puffy. Name. Yeah, they're puffy. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lightweight puffy jacket. It was 12 ounces. And that was, that was it.
0: Cool. I like
1: it. You just didn't need much. When you're hiking, you're hiking all day long. So you're generating heat. And then at night, you're crawling. in. if it's cold enough, you're crawling into your sleeping bag.
0: Yeah. I don't think we touched much on um, the nutrition stuff in our, our recap, other than to say that you know, we have changed the paradigm a bit, thanks to Kyle, on on what types of foods we pack. Just easy to digest, a lot of carbs, and um, basically the fact that it looks like we're going to a 13-year-old girl slumber party um, with all the junk food that we have. Was there anything that you found yourself not eating or not wanting to grab out of your feedback?
1: Yeah, any of the trail mix, kind of heavier. Nuts and stuff? Nuts and, yeah. Basically, that's all I I had. Like, cookies, gummy bears, Snickers bars, backcountry bars, all that I was able to eat. But the, the stuff that I always would, like, just, you know, pass mm-hmm. over when I was opening up the food bag would be the, the trail mix. that I had some that were pretty heavy in the nuts and seeds and things like that. And just couldn't find the... I just didn't want to choke those down, basically. Yeah. The, other, the one thing that was... Kind of newer-ish, and that came from Kyle Camp, too, at Valley to Peak Nutrition, was just having calories in your water. So, tailwind, mm-hmm. you actually packed that, and I stole a couple from you mid-hike, <laughs> and uh, I really like that. I mean, it's a good way to just to keep calories going, and, um, and when you're hungry or when you're just kind of hot and working that hard, you know, you're just exhausted and the sun's beating on you, it's just a good way to keep energy going and um, keep your body fueled.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the same for me. The only um, one thing I have learned with trail mix type stuff is there's you can get it anywhere. You can go to Amazon, Target, Walmart, but most uh, most places there's like I get one that's a sweet and spicy trail mix, and it's not that spicy, but it has a little bit of sweet to it. And compared to something like your standard trail mix of like say nuts and M and M's and raisins or whatever, for whatever reason, that sweet and spicy one is something I can always eat. And so for me obviously one of the benefits of something like a trail mix or things with nuts is that you're going to have a higher, um, calories to ounce ratio. Uh, and we've talked with Kyle length about why chasing that isn't ideal. Uh, but it can be good to, to get some of those nuts in there. And that's one of the ones that I'm always able to eat, uh, is that sweet and spicy. I think it has something to do with that sweetness to it. Um, just for whatever reason makes it a little bit more palatable to me. Um, yeah, the, the tailwind was key. I've done that on death hikes in the past. The only thing I've changed there is actually just doing a bit more of it. Um, and so instead of packing, you know, two, three, 400 calories of it, I was packing, I think, 800 calories of it. And didn't necessarily always go through it, but there was those days um, or those times where I did get through most of it um, and obviously shared a bit as well. So that's a, a good strategy. Um and again, outside of a death hike, I think it's something that guys can apply to hunts, especially earlier hunts, or for guys who just struggle to eat, because we hear that all the time, especially guys get at elevation even, and sometimes can't get down calories, is how can you be consistently intaking taking calories by adding some of that to your hydration? Um, so that's a good way to go. Anything else, Steve, um, that comes to mind for, uh, kind of the death hike now that you've had a bit more time to think about it and process it a bit
1: <laughs> yes but i can't come to think of it at the i'll <laughs> mention it on the next monday minute the late night last night with fourth of july fireworks and yeah. of, uh, getting the kids home after midnight so um there, there's certainly just well, i'll summarize it better in the next monday minute but there's so much that i've been able to learn from the hike that then applies to the hunts um that it's really just, yeah. It's been a fantastic thing as far as just lessons learned and 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 making hunts in the future easier.
0: Yeah, I think I mentioned this, um, and this actually goes back to the the holster question. Um, but prior to the death hike, you know, I'd done quite a few training hikes um, and tested different things in different ways, but. One of the things I made sure to do before the death hike was to, um, load up my pack with the, the same amount of weight and then wear the exact same things I was planning on wearing on the death hike down to every little, little detail. Um, and at that time I was considering running that chest holster, for example, and really after that, that hike, it was a hot day, similar to what I expected on the death hike I just decided that the discomfort of the chest holster, uh, wasn't going to be worth it. And that was based on a training hike. And you know, these are things we talk about all the time, but I just want to encourage guys with, as we talked about less than 60 days till September, make sure that whatever you're doing in the next 60 days is replicating as close as possible to what you may do on your hunts. And so that means loading up your pack, That means wearing the exact same things, uh, even putting on, for example, that bino harness or whatever holster or whatever quote unquote accessory or however you plan to carry your rangefinder. just whether you're hiking, whether you're shooting, whatever your preseason prep looks like uh, in the next weeks and days, make sure to do that as realistic as possible with the exact same setups you plan to use for hunting season. Because I... I know that by doing that, you'll continue to learn some things and make some refinements that are hopefully going to make you a more comfortable and therefore a more effective hunter. Steve, to wrap up, I did want to mention as well, um, our primary podcast, we're going to be running this month in July. So our feature episodes on Wednesdays, we're doing a new series called reverse engineering success. Um, they're going to come out every week, uh, throughout July on Wednesdays. This first one is actually with, uh, your good buddy, Jeff Bloomquist, but I'm really excited about this series, uh, and the different approach we're taking to not just get on with guys and do like a hunting story, but to really talk about the decisive moments for good or for bad, uh, and the key decisions that were made on a, a very specific hunt that led to the ultimate Success. Um, I'm super excited to share the series. Um, you were on the conversations for some of them, and others weren't able to make. But this was a, a series that you and I really talked about on our bear hunt. Um, thinking about it, one of those moments, for example, when we spotted the bears, we ended up shooting. Was if we would have sat down a few minutes later, we wouldn't have maybe even saw those bears, or at least not initially. Uh, but just thinking through how many times on a hunt the outcome. It's changed completely different. Yeah. yeah, on very small moments, and sometimes it's decisions we make, and sometimes it's just the right place at the right time. But uh, I'm excited to pick apart these hunts with these guys on the series in July, so it's gonna be fun.
1: Yeah, I think it's just so critical to reflect back after every hunt. You know, I've I've never done a diary, which I know a lot of people do, like a hunt journal. And It's because
0: you can't call it diary; you got to call a journal, oh. so it feels less. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: feels more manly. Yeah. Um, but I certainly take a lot of mental notes of what I think led to that success. And that was kind of the, the impetus for doing this podcast series was let's figure, let's get some guys on here to talk about a hunt post hunt and break it down backwards from I was successful. Here's all the steps that led to it and help, help you guys as listeners, I think start to take that same approach with your hunts. And, and obviously it works if you're successful or not, like, Um, when you're not, it's hard to analyze exactly what didn't go right, what you could have done differently, but you you have to, you have to break it down if you want to continue to improve and just become more uh, efficient out there in the field. Yep. Well, if you
0: guys haven't yet hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you do receive those future episodes, the first of which will be released tomorrow, actually July 6th, and then we'll continue throughout the month of July here in 2022. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you do have any questions for us, send an email to podcast at exomontgear.com
1: or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message. We'll talk to you soon.